Hey, this is Sophia. And this is Natasha. And welcome to another episode of Winter's Blooms Talks, which is an extension of our website, Winter's Bloom. Hello and welcome to another episode of Winter's Bloom Talks. Um, This time we're going to be talking about sex. Um, So we wanted to start this conversation just to kind of warm up a little bit and talk about a quiz that we had taken from Shan Boudram's website about her book, The Game of Desire. Um, And this is about turn-on triggers. So Sophia, do you want to walk us through your turn-on triggers? Um, so I did the quiz and I copied and pasted my like paragraph. I can't, I did the quiz a couple of weeks ago, so I can't remember exactly what the specific questions were. Um, my overall trigger was listed as mental. So I'll just read what the paragraph um, said. It says, if you're not connected mentally first, physically is hardly an option. You are a psychosexual, someone who's turned on by intelligence. And thus feeling at one with someone through conversation is a massive part of your sexual arousal cycle. Your partners must understand that an intellectually stimulating conversation is often a prerequisite to stimulating you anywhere else. A person's values and morals may also play a huge role for determining sexual compatibility for you. Um, If they have a very different belief system, you can sense you'll want very different things out of a sexual experience. Um, I think this really captured me to a T. Um, I definitely am someone who needs to be stimulated um, intellectually in a lot of my relationships, not just romantic, but also in terms of my friendships. I feel like conversation and kind of um, a cerebral relationship is something I appreciate more than doing things with the other person, especially in a romantic sense. Um, so yeah, I think this really captured me to a T. And especially actually the part about um the different belief systems. I think in in general, um in terms of what another person's values and morals are, and again going beyond like romantic relationships but also friendships, that's very important. But I never really considered it until reading this about how that plays into my perception of what sex means um and whether that's compatible with a potential romantic partner or sexual partner um and so yeah that was something that I found very insightful how about you Natasha what was your turn on triggers if you remember them or what category did you get yeah so um I first wanted to say I while you were reading that I was like wow yeah this does sound very much like Sophia um so yeah, I think that they got that pretty well, or like the quiz got it pretty well. Yeah. Um, so I took the quiz um, a few weeks ago and got, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something about um, your environment really needs to kind of be in balance or be clean or, you know, like it was, it was very much like environmental things. Um, and then I took it again this morning and I got desire. Um, so I'll, I'll read the little blurb about desire. So it says, skip the filters. You need to be told directly that you're desired. It is important that your partner or partners says what they're thinking before, after, and during sex, especially if what they're thinking is damn, you're sexy. 
In short, dirty talk is your shit. So, I don't know. I think, I think like many things, um, my turn-on triggers are probably a combination of a few different ones. Um, mm. I, I was a little bit surprised that I got this one because I, so I haven't had a lot of experience with dirty talk, but the idea of it doesn't <laughs> particularly turn me on. Um, so yeah, I, was I wasn't really say, sure about that. Sound like you. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting, but, but what I do think, um, they did get kind of right is that it's important that your partner or partners says what they're thinking before, after, and during sex, because, I think one thing that makes me feel uncomfortable in sexual encounters is like trying to have to guess what they want or if I'm doing something right um, because then that stresses me out and I'm like, oh, I'm not doing this right or something like that. So I think that was pretty accurate. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of interesting to get that feedback from this quiz um, and also kind of a moment where I was like, okay, that's interesting. I can see some of that, but I don't think that's the whole story. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there probably are different, de- definitely different um, overlaps from different elements. From just quickly to go back to what you're saying that you also got environment a couple when you did it a couple of weeks back. Do you remember um, anything particular that stuck out from that kind of result? Yeah, um, thanks for asking. That's a good question. I don't a hundred percent remember the little blurb from that, but um. From what I can remember, it was very much about like having to be in alignment with your environment. So there were a lot of questions that was like, for example, what would turn you off? And the answer for that question was like, um, if, you know, if they try to get it on with you, but the room is a mess or something. And I don't personally think that that is super, super accurate. There were a few other questions Um, I think, for example, one of them was like, what could your partner do to really get you in the mood? And one of them was like, they say, oh, I've changed the sheets and put on your favorite record. Why don't you go shower and then meet me in the bedroom after? And I remember clicking that one because that's something I really value. Like after a really long day at work, when I come home, not having to jump into whatever we're doing, whether that's, you know, sexual encounter or whether that's um, catching up about our days or some kind of debate or something. I don't know. I really do value that moment of alone time before connecting with someone. Um, so yeah, I think mm. again, I think with that one, there were bits and pieces that felt accurate to me, but not the whole picture. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I was also wondering, so we came across another article, which will be linked in the show notes, about libido drive. Um, and I actually didn't know this, that there were many different kinds. Um, so I guess before we we like go through and say what ours are, I just um, I'm just going to go through and quickly say what the different kinds are. This article lists 10. There may be more, maybe less. Who knows? Um, but the first one is sensual. You find emotional intimacy more important during sex than physical performance. Dependent. You need sex to feel loved and reassured or to deal with stress. Stressed, you feel desire but avoid sex because you're worried you can't please your partner. Detached, you're not worried about whether you have sex. It's easier to satisfy sexual needs with masturbation. Erotic, you feel an emotional closeness only with someone who is sexually passionate. Addictive, you find it difficult to resist sex with other partners despite being in a relationship. Reactive, you get satisfaction only from pleasing your partner. Entitled, you feel you should get the sex life you want because you're in a committed relationship. 
compulsive, you find it difficult to become aroused or enjoy sex unless it involves a special situation or object. Disinterested, it wouldn't bother you if you never had sex again. Um, so, Sophia, I was wondering if you had any insight from those and wanted to share what libido drives you felt more identified with. Yeah, before I get into that, I do feel like mm, there wasn't a particular one that definitely captured my libido drive, I think. Um, and I think, I don't know, because this is the first time I've even seen it broken down like this, to be fair. But I feel like there are definitely maybe just other ones that aren't listed here or maybe hybrids of things that are a bit more kind of subtle or just not so um, categorical. But with that being said, um, the ones that I did identify with the most um, were firstly sensual. So finding um, emotional intimacy. So the way it's phrased, it's like it's finding emotional intimacy more important during sex than physical performance. Um I don't know I just don't like the way that it's phrased kind of like more as I feel like there's quite a, a like a lot of comparatives and absolutes that are used in the descriptions but definitely like emotional intimacy um I think is an important element for me to even feel a sexual desire towards someone else um and then the other one that I felt that I kind of connected or like could relate to was reactive but again it says here you get satisfaction only from pleasing your partner which again the emphasis on the only I don't think is like that's yeah that that doesn't um best describe my libido drive but um yeah I do think definitely having a sexual partner that is satisfied is also a very big like turn on for me um how about you which ones did you identify with so I had a few that I identified with, and um, I think that this will probably come out in our further discussion later, so I might not go super into them. But so I said that I kind of identified with stressed, detached, erotic, reactive, and disinterested. Um, and so I feel that, so part of me wonders if some of the ones that I identify with like detached and disinterested are because of some of my past experiences that I've mentioned on the podcast. Um, and I have been avoiding sex for a while. Um, so I feel kind of that I'm in this transitionary period where I'm starting to be more open to sex and like more open to physical encounters with, um, you know, potential partners. Um, so I'm sure that this will change, um, over the next, I don't know, a few months, years, who knows. But I think the stressed one I did identify with as well, kind of for the same reason that I feel there's part of the desire that um, that I identify with and that I think if I'm not, if I don't know what's going through your head during a physical encounter, I'm going to get in my head and I'm going to get kind of stressed that I, like, I'm doing things wrong or that this isn't going well or something. You know, I think I just tend to overthink things that and a little... Ugh, overthink things sometimes um I also have never orgasmed with a partner so I think that's why I also identified with the detached because I I know how to get my own pleasure um and erotic I've recently been with a partner who was very passionate um both sexually and like intellectually and stuff and so I'm I definitely feel um identified with that one because I was like yeah that was a really great experience um and I definitely want to keep more of that in my life um and then reactive as well because 
I do think because I've never, well, not because, but part of the reason I have an orgasm with someone else is because I think I oftentimes put my partner and my partner's pleasure before mine, which in some cases is not the best thing, but I think in some cases it, I, I value that. Um, so I think I, I feel similarly about that one. Um, and then disinterested, because again, I think there's that part of me that is sometimes like, oh, what if I just never had sex again? But I think that is changing. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Before we uh, move on, can I just say that I, and, and I feel like this is because I, I know you well, like quite well. Um, but I, I thought for you, or at, like before you said it, I thought you would say all of them, but the erotic one, which is, has been interesting as well to, <laughs> to hear your um, thought process behind that. I also wanted to ask if it isn't too um, personal. Have you ever um, kind of verbalized or communicated to a sexual partner how you can achieve pleasure? Um, or is that just something that you, I don't, I mean, I don't want to put words into your mouth, so I'll just leave the question at that. Yeah, no, thanks for asking. And um, to be honest, I'm like super happy to talk about this all the time because I learn so much by talking to people about this um, or like hearing other people's perspectives about this. But um, yes, I have only with two partners and both of those partners um, kind of had that mentality like we spoke about. So we spoke about kind of like what we wanted potential partners in our July full moon moon episode. And in that episode, I mentioned that I really like a partner who is open and honest um, in sexual encounters with like a hint of playfulness. And both of those partners were very much like approached sex as a game, like, okay, how can we turn each other on and stuff like that. So with those two partners, I did. Um, again, I was just too much in my head. Like I knew because I masturbate frequently, I know what to do and where and like what to imagine in my mind to turn myself on. Um, but for some reason, I just have this mental block when I'm with a partner and I communicate things and I feel like I'm on the verge, but I'm never able to get there. Um, so I think that's some more internal work that I need to do and maybe like a foundation of trust I need to build with my potential partners. Um, but yeah, thanks for asking. Um, what about you? Like, I guess we're kind of diverting the con the conversation a little bit, but I I'm just curious, like what, what is your, did you ever have that kind of mental block? And if so, how did you get over that? Or if not, like, how do you approach that? Um, well, when you were saying that, I was just thinking, um, in terms of who I've been comfortable with or like which sexual partners I've been comfortable, um, to talk to you about like what turns me on and what you know and what doesn't um and I think like I, I was just reflecting on this in this moment and I think only one person has ever actually asked me like oh what turns you on and I remember when they did I was just kind of like whoa I was like no one has actually well a sexual par partner has never asked me this um or at least been that more like for coming and saying it so bluntly um and also while it was happening um so I think I don't know I think I so I think with my um like longest partner um it just kind of happened that he was very attentive to what I liked and kind of learned quickly um to like listen to my body and listen to to what I like so I never really had to to verbalize it 
Um, and yeah, like I said, I've not had very many um, sexual encounters. So I think with and like because that was like a, a long a long lasting relationship or it was like a yeah um a more serious relationship that part of that was also just feeling completely secure and comfortable and that's a really important part I think for me to achieve um climax or for me to just really fully enjoy an experience because I think kind of like you I do go in, get into my head but not not necessarily being stressed out about like oh whether this other person's enjoying it but just more about you know things that aren't really to do with that moment like maybe the relationship dynamic or like you know questions to just do with like where is this relationship going or um yeah things outside of the kind of immediate action um but yeah I don't I don't think I've I've well I've only been asked by that one person so I've only ever expressed it directly to that one person before yeah, well, thank you for um, for sharing that. And I think this actually does kind of uh, transition nicely into um, the first question that we wanted to talk about, which is, um, have you ever struggled with your sexuality? And if so, in what way? So I think, I mean, I'm, I'm the one who wrote this question and I left it um, purposely um, kind of vague in terms of, well, in terms of interpreting sexuality so I kind of thought of it in two senses so the first one being kind of sexual orientation and I think in that sense I've never really struggled um with it I think I've just I've always felt that I am um that I'm a heterosexual woman and yeah I, I don't think I I've really had any questions around my sexual orientation growing up um, and then I guess in the second way was kind of the way that I also interpreted this question was manifesta- manifestation of sexuality or expression, should I say, of sexuality. Um, and again, I I don't I wouldn't say that I've necessarily struggled with it. I think it's more just been. I don't even know if this is a struggle, but I think what I've acknowledged in my life is that there are certain people or certain environments that I just wouldn't talk talk about sexuality generally, but more so my sexuality because either certain people or just certain environments, I feel like there's this expectation that I kind of should be suppressing it. And actually I was reading a book um, fairly recently, which I can't remember the name, but... Um, a passage that stood out to me was um, that historically, according to this author, um, men have kind of been portrayed as being the ones who should ha- who who have a good and healthy natural sexual drive, and that for women to have a sexual drive, it's kind of seen as being um, just like not ladylike or just not something that is a woman's place. Like a woman should kind of just be ready to receive um sexual desire but shouldn't be the one who kind of she shouldn't be seeking it out you know um and that's kind of been like the the setup um so I think part of me has kind of internalized that as well and I think there are lots of different elements to do with that I think there's like the cultural element of um uh, my background and also um 
the religious element as well um which I think we will probably get into a bit later so I'll just leave it at that for now but have you um had any struggles with your sexuality growing up yeah um so I I like how you kind of looked at it at different levels in terms of sexual orientation and then your own personal sexuality and I think I think very similar to how you felt with sexual orientation I feel very much that I'm a heterosexual woman um, although I do appreciate beauty and regardless of your gender or how you identify or excuse me how you identify with um, in terms of gender um, so you know throughout my life I have admired men and women and um, every other part of the spectrum if you presented that way um, so I think because I think I tend to be a very uh, physical person which is something that I'm coming to terms with now um and so I think physical and and I hesitate to say beauty because it's I feel like that beauty comes loaded with like a certain type of beauty but I do mean beauty just in a much broader sense than I feel is like societally accepted or whatever um but I do I do find myself just attracted to beauty or how someone holds themselves, how someone acts around others, regardless of how you identify in terms of gender. But I very much have only um, desired uh, members of the opposite sex. Um, in terms of like personal sexuality, I mean, I've kind of gotten into it already and in some past podcasts, but um I was assaulted when I was 18 and it's been kind of like a struggle in terms of desire of sex and even like feeling desirable that I think I am like I've processed and I'm on the healing path now, which is why I feel like I have a mix of many different um, turn on triggers or libido drives, stuff like that. Um, But I think just getting a little bit more into that, like I feel before like I don't know before I feel that I, I felt that I hadn't really been engaging with sex on my own terms and so like my mentality surrounding it was very much oh this is what a good girlfriend does or this my partner wants it so um you know why don't we just do it and that was there for a lot of different reasons that I'm still kind of trying to understand but I think I took an intentional break from sex for a while partly because the idea of it kind of repulsed me and also because I really wanted to figure out for myself when I wanted sex and why I wanted sex and actually one thing I I do want to mention here um, is that a really important part of that journey was was processing a lot of the anger surrounding that event and then coming to a place where I could say no to a man and mean it and like I don't know why I just I want to share this here I'm sure it's kind of silly but like it it made me feel so sexy to tell a man no straight to his face, even though it led to kind of like awkward awkwardness. But there was something so sexy and empowering about that. And that was definitely part of the journey. Um, and I feel I feel that moving forward, I know I can say no so that when I want to say yes, I know that like at any point I can say it, if that makes sense. I don't know. That sounds kind of flippy floppy. But that was just kind of my journey with that. And I feel like I'm approaching sex from uh, maybe a more healthy place. I don't know. But I feel like I'm approaching it from a more open space. 
Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's flippy, fluffy or whatever the <laughs> term is, um, what you're saying. <laughs> and I remember that you quite recently gave me that advice as well. And it's something which I think um, I also have struggled with. But I, I really like what you were saying, the that, you know, you can you can say no and you can always retract that no at any point if you want to. Um, and that's something that I think, yeah, I still kind of struggle with in terms of of the boundaries, because I think most of the time that no is very much in my head. And but yeah, I feel like that can kind of um, go into a whole host of different conversations surrounding consent um, and, you know, like just the kind of um, the thinness of boundaries sometimes, I feel, especially when it comes to sex and like how... I don't know it's it's hard because yeah like I was saying I guess just going back to what I was saying before to kind of gather my thoughts that I feel that often if I know that being in a situation a certain situation could potentially lead to a sexual encounter in my head I'll tell myself okay going into this I don't want to have sex and so that's like the no in my head but then it just I don't know it I feel like even for me those boundaries become blurred to even be able to establish them towards the other person um and so yeah I think just for me I'm still kind of working on being able to verbalize that no and like you said kind of owning it um and I like how you describe that as as being empowering and yeah in a way making you feel sexy even if there is awkwardness after that um, I also wanted to ask when you were mentioning uh, before that your kind of your kind of like relationship or understanding of sex was that like oh this is what a good girlfriend does or this is what my partner wants and this is therefore I should be doing. I just kind of want to transition into the next um, question. What do you think or what does sex mean for you and how do you think your understanding of sex has been informed and how has that perhaps changed over time? Um, yeah, no, I think that this is a really great question. Um, and I think what sex means to me or how I've defined it in the past is very different to how I define it now. Um, and I think if I put myself back in those moments where I was like, oh, this is what a good girlfriend does. I think, I think part of why I was in that space is because my, so we, this kind of links with the next question as well, which was like, what was sex education like for you growing up? And I think, I think in many ways we talked about the basics, how to be safe, the like actual mechanics of it, like what happens when you have sex, but we never talked about, and I'm, I'm talking about in school and also with my family, like we never really talked about pleasure. And I just, from my family dynamics, I definitely learned to kind of like be of service to other people, um, you know, to make myself small when other people were big in, in uh, like in, uh, in social situations, um, to always lend a helping hand, to make sure that someone's needs are cared for before my own. And again, in many ways, I value that part of myself. I think that that's really important. Um, but in many ways, particularly in my earlier sexual experiences, I didn't know how to ask for what I wanted or conversely how to say that I didn't want something. Um, and so because I didn't know and because I'd had that kind of like traumatic sexual experience, 
I just kind of went with the flow because it was easier. Like I didn't even want to necessarily think about what I wanted because I mean, I still don't know to this day, but it was just easier to, it was easier in the moment to go with what my partner wanted, even though it led to a lot of like, you know, not self-hate necessarily, but it led to a lot of turmoil and a lot of like, why did I do that? I feel really bad. Like I didn't want that kind of thing. Um, I think if you ask me this question now, um, sex kind of walks the line between anger, passion, and desire. Um, and I think that's because I'm still, you know, I'm still trying to figure out when I want it and how I want it. Um, and, and there is still a lot of internal anger in me that I think sometimes manifests in these sexual encounters, but that also is like very close to passion and desire. So I don't, I don't necessarily see that as like a negative thing. I feel as long as, you know, I don't hurt the person that I'm with. Um, but yeah, what about you? What does sex mean to you and how, how has your understanding of it been informed? Um, I think sex has kind of had different meanings for me over the years. I think the first kind of meaning or association that I, I can recall of what sex meant to me um, was definitely mixed with with feelings of like shame and guilt and kind of just being like a taboo thing, um, like something not to talk about. And again, I think that has to do with kind of my, um, my cultural upbringing, um, both more widely speaking um in terms of like my west african slash gambian um culture where it's just like you don't discuss sex with your elders and it's just like not something that you talk about but then also kind of like my family culture where both my parents just never really spoke about it except to say don't do it (laughs) um and yeah so i think that was kind of like my first um understanding or like more inherited um definition of sex and then I think as I got older um and kind of was exploring more my religion and my spirituality I have come to see sex as a very spiritual union um and I think that's also kind of to do as well as as well as that being kind of the place that sex holds within my religion and my spiritual belief system I think that's also very much um to do with my personality as well and who I am as a person and how I like to connect with individuals um and how I see as I think I mentioned in our July reflection um how physical touch is one of my top three um love languages as well what you were saying though as well about sex education I think growing up I just had really really bad um sex education in in both primary school and secondary school I remember in primary school the kind of really gaggy like cliche just someone comes in with like a tampon and then puts it in water and it like explodes or whatever in the water like absorbs the water and just um whatever I was gonna say gumps up I don't know what the what the correct word is for it um and like that, I honest, that just terrified me with everything sex related. I was like, oh my gosh, that thing just like expands inside you. And yeah, like that, I think really, um, and I, I think I'm only realizing this kind of 
or I've only realized it kind of more recently how much of a mental block that put between me and anything to do with sex or just like the sexual organs um and I remember actually going into year seven which is the first year of um secondary school and the very first class of like my very first day was a biology class and it was a video watching someone giving birth and I remember being mortified (laughs) at that video and then afterwards we had a discussion about how babies were conceived and I actually had no idea and I remember my teacher asked me and I kind of already knew that I didn't know um and like my mom had kind of she had told me how children were were like born when I was five I remember her like telling me like yeah it just it comes out of a vagina really like blasé but she she never told me the process of like how they were conceived um and so I mean she had told me but she was like oh it's it's like a special kiss right so <laughs> I didn't know what that meant and I was like, okay it's a special kiss um and I, I think for a bit I thought it was to do with tongues so like, if you if a man kissed you with his tongue, you would get pregnant. Um, and so I remember saying that in class, and it was in, it was interesting because my teacher was I think was just shocked for the most part that I didn't know. But then it was also interesting because I felt like if I'm remembering this correctly, quite a, quite a lot of the students, like some people laughed, but I think the majority of people just equally did not know like how children were conceived. And so I think that's very at least in my my um well my like age my time and my social kind of situation um growing up in the kind of um state school system that yeah I think really exemplifies what sex education was like I actually don't know what it's like now I have a 10 year old sister um and I think they've spoken to them about like periods. Oh, she's not 10, actually. She's 11 now. Anyway, they've spoken to them about periods and stuff like that. But again, I feel that, yeah, there is definitely a lot of work to be done in terms of sex education. Yeah, for sure. And thank you for sharing that experience. Um, I think where I like it's it's interesting because I feel in some ways our experiences are similar and in some ways they're different, which, you know, is, of course, going to happen because we're different people. Um, but I remember like having a kind of different uh, experience when when my brother and I were younger. My mom and dad had this book. I don't remember what it was called, but it was like it was a pretty graphic book about how babies are formed, including sex and everything. But it was all collage. So it was like really artfully done. And I just remember that was one of my favorite books growing up because I would just sit there and look at the collages and it was really awesome. So I think from a really young age, I kind of knew about that kind of stuff, maybe without knowing what to call it or knowing how to name it, but like knowing based on the collages that that was how a baby was made. Um, But then once, you know, my parents just, they didn't really give us the talk. Like I know a lot of people talk about the talk about sex and stuff like that until I approached them because we had this like culture of honesty, particularly in high school, because it was mostly to do with going to parties and stuff because um, you know, like drunk driving is a really big thing and it's really dangerous. And I just never wanted to be in a position where I had to lie to my parents and like put myself or my friends in danger. So based on that, I kind of assumed it would be the same with sex. And so when I was interested in that kind of stuff, I was really open and honest with them. And they definitely gave me like the be safe talk. But past that, they never really talked to me about consent, about how to be a good partner, 
about, you know, desire or pleasure at all. So that, you know, again, has been stuff that I've just had to figure out on my own. And, you know, same in the school systems, like they showed us this really graphic slideshow about different sexual, sexually transmitted diseases. And it was like photos of very diseased genitals, like that had all these different diseases. And I remember it was one of those things, like it was almost a rite of passage in our high school where people were like, oh, have you seen the slideshow yet? And it was particularly like, it was, I mean, it was graphic. I mean, arguably important that we saw what could happen, but sex is so much more than just being safe and sexually transmitted diseases. So I think, yeah, I, I agree with your sentiment that there is definitely a lot of work to be done. Um, and so I, I wanted to kind of follow up on a little bit of what you've said and where this discussion has gone, but I was wondering if you wanted to go into a little bit more detail about where, who, when you feel comfortable talking openly about sex and like maybe what those environment people or spaces hold that like, I don't know, because I, I, I feel part of the reason why I at least wanted to have this conversation was to normalize the conversation about sex, because when it comes to sex, nothing's normal. Um, and also, I personally mm-hmm. learned so much from conversation with people about this. Um, so yeah, I was just wondering if you wanted to go into that a little bit more. Um, it's interesting you should ask that, because even, and I don't think I, I don't think we spoke about this before, um, even like recording this podcast for me, I think, I mean, I feel like it's a big deal for many different reasons. I think one of one of them just being like, oh, like, you know, my mom could listen to this, <laughs> mainly. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like, we haven't really spoken very extensively about sex together. The second reason is because, as I mentioned before, um, I am Muslim. And within um, the, the main Islamic traditions, um, it's the general consensus that you're not supposed to have... Um, extramarital sex so like premarital sex um adulterous relationships or just essentially it's seen as fornication any sex that is outside of marriage and outside that framework so I think um I mean coupled with that as well there is also um a belief that if you have committed a sinful act such as for example having sex outside of marriage and God has kind of covered the act you shouldn't reveal that sin to people so I think part of me is reluctant because um of the yeah the fact that like well my family members could listen to this and also because of (laughs) the kind of um the space that hasn't historically been there to discuss sex within a religious framework um and particularly like the islamic religious framework um so yeah i think one yeah that that would probably well that kind of to expand on that um i think talking to family members about it has never been a place where i felt i felt comfortable to do that um which has been which is actually quite sad because i feel like a lot of my earlier sexual encounters probably took place simply because I had I didn't have anyone besides my friends to talk to which isn't bad but like when you're more like 16 or something it's just like we all have the same experience and we're I don't feel like any of us are really in very um well I 
not just I don't know I just feel like looking back on it now I would rather have spoken to my mom or like even my older sister about it um then speak to my friends who have the exact same experience as me and are trying to give me advice without that kind of perspective that I think I needed in those situations um and yeah again in the kind of religious setting I definitely wouldn't be having a conversation like this with um some of my Muslim friends uh because it's just it's not something that it's not really a conversation that has been given space to to be had um, within the religion. That and I know that that narrative is kind of changing. I just want to mention, um, in case there are like Muslim <laughs> listeners in particular, that there is a podcast that I listen to called Amalia, and they have a resident um, like sex expert whose name I can't remember, but she's really good. Um, she basically kind of like she has these short mini episodes which are meant to bring muslims out of the dark it's called lights on actually which i think is quite a cool flame word but bring muslims out of the dark in terms of um kind of re reformulating the taboo um around discussing sex and it's obviously done in a way that is still very respectful of um what is Islamic belief so she talks about these things in relation to having a healthy sex life within the the um the boundaries of marriage which is what is deemed as acceptable um Islamically speaking and yeah so she talks about different ways especially about female pleasure and like for and she provides like valuable information for women particularly Muslim women who I feel don't necessarily get the opportunities to um know more about themselves and what they like before going into marriage or before becoming sexually active um and yeah so I would I would recommend that podcast um just because I feel like there there definitely needs to be more conversations like that um but equally sorry I know that this is going on for a bit but just the last and last thing to to say I equally even with friends who I know are sexually active I equally with friends who are um sexually active I wouldn't say that it's all of my friends that I feel comfortable talking to um about sex because I think as I said sex is also a very spiritual thing for me and so sometimes I feel like when I talk to those friends who don't share that same kind of understanding of what sex means I sometimes leave those conversations just feeling like I'm overthinking things or and making it out to be a big deal because for them it just well for some of them it's just a it's just more physical and there's not really all this kind of um emotional spiritual um meaning that I attach to sex and so I feel like there are very few people that I actually feel comfortable talking um to about sex but how about you yeah I think um I mean I think definitely when it comes to friends there are a few friends that I feel comfortable talking about sex with and in each friend kind of has like a different aspect uh that I feel comfortable talking about sex with um so I like I like that you bring up the um the spirituality and that Amalia podcast sounds really interesting um and like also like important work that needs to be happening surrounding the realm of sex and just um acceptance of sex is a, a topic to talk about um but yeah so i think i think when i when i think back about 
who, or when I think about who I can speak about sex with, I know that my siblings have been very helpful with that. Um, but you know, in, in our family and particularly in Filipino culture in general, um, though, I guess speaking specifically about my family's culture, um, there is, there is kind of a layer of certain things that you just don't talk about or don't address. And that can happen on many different, for many different topics. And I think our family in particular was more open than most Filipino families, which is why, for example, I was able to be pretty open about going to parties in high school and stuff like that. But I think when it did come to sex, that was kind of a hard boundary. Um, I remember, you know, a few years ago when I was living at home, like if I went to spend the night at a partner's house, obviously my parents, like I was of age, my parents couldn't tell me not to. Um, but if like they, if they were to come over and spend the night at our house, we, that my parents would just, we weren't allowed to sleep in the same bed. And I, I definitely respect that because it's their house. They're the ones who are paying for it and everything. Um, so they're allowed to make the rules. Like I definitely respect that. But I think, um, yeah, I think kind of growing up with that, it was like there were there were moments when I really wanted to talk to my parents about sex. Um, and I think in general, because they had raised us with that culture of openness, I did it like I did talk to them about it. But I think I learned, especially in my older years, like once I was in college and then out of college and kind of like figuring out this whole adult thing, whatever that means, Um I think I quickly learned that there are just some things that I should keep private and not share. Um, but I think, yeah, my brother and sister have been really helpful, a few friends as well. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel that, you know, sex, particularly talking about sex with your partner who you're with, um, is, is really important. And I've personally found a lot of value from having that openness. Um, but I know that that's not always possible and um, that sometimes talking about sex can be awkward and weird um, or just, yeah, a taboo subject. So um, hopefully this can kind of like contribute to a more open discourse about that. But um, I I kind of liked what you said at the end um, of what you were saying about how like, um, you know, sometimes you you attribute like or sex for you has a very spiritual component um, and that sometimes when you have conversations with people, you feel that you come away from those feeling that like you might be overthinking things. And I was I have a similar experience about the term. I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but like in the US, a lot of times people say that you lose your virginity when you have sex for the first time. Um, and I was just wondering, like, what that phrase means for you if it does mean anything for you and like what your thoughts surrounding that phrase are yeah so that phrase definitely exists um in in the UK as well and, and it's used quite a lot um I know that there's a lot of literature being written about how um virginity is a construct um and I do definitely agree with a lot of that thought um and I mean, it's it's very dense, so I, I don't feel like I'd be doing it justice here. But in case you are unfamiliar with some of the the thoughts to do with um, virginity as a construct, one of the main um, school of thoughts or one of the main arguments is that virginity, especially um, female virginity, is used um, as a way or what has historically been used as a way to control women 
both socially and in terms of like economic um, arrangements and relationships. Um, and so by, you know, kind of adding value to a woman by saying that she has her virginity intact when um, she was getting married to someone, it kind of was a way to 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 control essentially female desire, but also to kind of commodify it. Um, so yeah, with that kind of discourse, I I do agree with the ideology that it has, like especially female virginity has been um, kind of manipulated, um, like historically. But I think there is also a part of me that, and I, and I feel like I still need to reflect on this. Um, so I haven't come to any conclusions, but I acknowledge that there is a part of me that has been kind of socialized with the ideology of losing of losing virginity and losing my virginity and um it's something that has has caused for me a lot of uh kind of turmoil and especially when when it happened and when I was um younger a lot of regret and just feelings again of shame and guilt and as I said that has to do with a whole host of things like uh, culturally and spiritually and religiously as well um I don't really know what I think about it now I I it's hard because I think part of me doesn't think it's just a construct like I think there is something very significant about being intimate with someone especially for the very first time I mean it's, it's significant I feel with each new partner but especially for the very first time and I think it would be not truthful um to say that it's all just a construct and that those feelings of significant is only because someone told me that virginity is a thing um it's yeah so that's kind of my thoughts on it I haven't really got a a kind of cohesive or conclusive thought on the topic but that's just where I'm kind of at now with my reflections how about you yeah, no, I think that you put that very well. And I feel similarly. I, I also feel mixed about this whole concept of losing your virginity. Um, because I feel that, um, you know, American culture, um, and American spirituality, if there is even a single American spirituality, which my gut tells me there isn't, um, but that there's just not so much an emphasis on ritual or ceremony anymore. Um, and so like, for example, one thing that my mom did do really well was when I got my first period and she kind of made like a deal about it in a really sweet way. Um, she kind of sat me down and taught me how to deal with it. Um, and like what the importance of that was. I mean, we went to a mother daughter yoga class that was all about first period. So it was like, it was very sweet. It was a, a nice moment. Um, but when I lost my virginity, it was very, that moment, it's kind of ironic with like all the stuff that I've dealt with in terms of sex. Like when I lost my virginity, that was my decision. And I chose who I was going to lose it with when I was going to lose it and why. And it was, it was like, it was a moment and it wasn't anything like it wasn't like I was with a long-term boyfriend and it was a really big deal. It was just, I wanted, I wanted to do it. Um, and I stand by that decision. Like I don't regret it at all, but yeah, there is something that I feel like carries weight. Like I'm not necessarily going to remember every single person that I had sex with over the years, but there are people who I've 
connected with really well that I will remember. And I will always remember that person and that experience, even though it wasn't particularly good sex um, or anything. I mean, we were, we were both figuring things out. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I feel, yeah, but I, I also feel mixed though, because particularly in, um, you know, my lineage, my heritage, um, the Philippines were colonized by the Spanish for so long. And there's a lot of that Catholic imagery of purity, of virginity, of docility that still has a hold in my family's line and Filipino lines in general. And I think that that does a lot of damage. And so the whole concept of losing your virginity in that context doesn't sit particularly well with me. Um, but I guess like most things, uh, I feel like your relationship with virginity, what it means, how you want to pass that on to your kids or to kids in general, um, it's kind of just based on your own personal experiences and your own personal beliefs and how that ties into the greater community, your spiritual community, and, and just really like figuring that out for myself and like standing for that. So yeah, I think like you, I do need to do a little bit more reflection and just kind of, I don't know, just kind of think about the ways that I want to talk about that with my future children or my nieces or, you know, who knows. Um, but yeah, I guess with that being said, I, you know, I really value these conversations and I've learned a lot from you and talking about this with you today and just in general. Um, but in addition to the Amalia podcast, are there any other um, books or media or videos that you recommend for people to learn more about sex? Um, yeah, that is actually. And it is also from um, the series that I mentioned, um, Lights On, with I think it's like Angela something. I can't remember her name. But anyway, if I will hopefully have a link um, left below in the show notes. But she recommended two books, which I have um started to read one of them um the first one is called kunyaza by habib akande and um it's the subtitle is the secret to female pleasure and it basically um talks about this um practice which is kunyaza that originates from rwanda um and it's a sexual practice that is meant to or that focuses on female ejaculation and um triggering multiple orgasms in women um during heterosexual encounters so yeah i thought this this book um well i I would recommend it for many reasons because one i think um especially when we talk about sex in kind of relation to african cultures i feel like there's always um well not always but i feel like there's an overriding negative association with the the place that sex occupies in African cultures and I think this is just a really um informative uh book that kind of challenges that narrative and shows how pleasure is something that and sexual pleasure is is something that does have a place within African cultures and has had a place historically and then again just because it's like I think a good way for women to get to know their bodies better and know what can give them pleasure the second book is also by Habib Akande, and I haven't read this yet, but it's called A Taste of Honey, and it's on um, sexuality and um, erotology in, I think that's how you say it, in Islam. And this book, um, I think, would be particularly interesting for Muslims um, 
as again because of that whole kind of taboo that surrounds sex this book just kind of looks into um how islam is a sex positive religion and how there is a place for pleasure and for sacred uh sensuality as well within islam so those are my two book recommendations nice well thank you for um for sharing both of those they both sound very interesting and like they could be helpful for a wider audience as well um when it comes to recommendations to be honest i usually google things (laughs) because i'm very much an experimenter and a tinkerer so i just am kind of like oh i want to do this so how do i do it um so yeah i don't have anything concrete to recommend just interwebs although be careful with that because you can get kind of down the rabbit hole um but yeah I guess uh with that being said is there anything else that you want to mention on this topic of sex before we sign off yeah I guess my parting words would be don't be afraid to get involved in the conversation I know and well I know speaking from my experience um as a Muslim and also coming from a as I said family culture and also kind of a wider culture where sex isn't discussed a lot that that has really shaped my relationship with um with with sex and also with whom I feel like I can talk to sex about um so I would just encourage people to have open conversations if they can I think as well by by not having it there's always that risk of not not having the the resources and the knowledge to make informed decisions about sex and also safe sex and just everything I just feel like we deprive ourselves so much by not having those conversations um and on a personal note as well kind of what I see or how I would like to have more discussions about sex with my children is something that um I hope will be more open and will change kind of the narrative and the experiences that I've had so I think um yeah I would just urge everyone I guess to if if you feel comfortable to start having more conversations and hopefully this has been a good starting point yeah well thank you for that and you know I'll just I'll kind of leave it there I definitely um second those sentiments uh but thank you everyone for joining us today on our conversation about sex uh we hope it was helpful we hope it was a little bit weird also a little bit you know um just normalizing of these conversations um anyway connect with us if this episode um spoke with you or if it didn't speak with you we're always willing and excited to hear your thoughts about what we're talking about anyway with that being said have a really great rest of your day and um speak to you next time bye Even when you're low, even when you cry